Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sam McGowan. Sam's authenticity and willingness to show her vulnerability really does bring a breath of fresh air to the fitness industry. As a coach, she's on a mission to empower people to lift, to try new things within their own health and fitness journey, and ultimately let go of the fear of being a beginner and the fear of not being good enough. We go through how Sam's experience of being a high-level gymnast throughout her childhood and teenage years helps her coach her clients today. How you can step out your comfort zone and embrace new challenges on your own health and fitness journey and why it's okay not to be okay along with much much more as expected sam was raw and honest throughout i truly think you will all take a lot of value from this conversation so without further ado sam mcgowan sam welcome to the show how are you today i'm good i'm good thank you yeah i've been on a bit of an adventure around london today feels like i've been a tourist for the first time Legs are very achy and you do get very warm. So I spent the rest of the day just chilling. So yeah, this is a good time for us because I've been, it's a day off, been relaxing, very rare. So yeah, all good. Thank you. Amazing. Where did you go in London? So my uh, youngest sister came down, trying to think of which way, (laughs) where we are in the country. Um, And that's the first time I've had family come and visit since I moved so we uh, and she's a bit younger and she just wanted to do like typical like Oxford Street shopping um, mm-hmm. I took her for brunch you know that kind of avocado and toast type vibes uh, that she wanted so yeah just typical tourist stuff like it's all London Bridge Tower Bridge yeah and then I was just yeah I've had enough of this now you can go home I'm gonna chill out but no it was, it was nice yeah, good weather for it so that's always a bonus yeah I think that's the beauty of um living in London because when you live there you don't actually do all those touristy things but people come and visit and then they want to do those things then you're like oh actually it's quite nice to do this from time to time so I definitely relate and I I also saw that you went to Watch House as well which is amazing for brunch right? 
Yeah, yeah. It's funny actually. Um, I the one on Tower Bridge, I it is like a really cool like workspace and brunch type vibe. It's a little bit more chilled. Uh, but it is it's not super far away from where I work. But if you're short on time, like there's probably closer places. Uh, but I've actually discovered that there is a closer one to me. Uh, I don't know if Ooh. you've been to the one. Is it? I can't remember the name, but there's another one near um, like close to Bank, and it's huge it's like three stories high no it's, it's it's massive and it's um really cool to go and work there and just get away from work for a bit and to come back in so um yeah no i'm a big fan of that and and there was the one we went to today is, is dog friendly which is always a bonus because <laughs> you know, i literally just ran over to someone's dog earlier because they had this huge uh poodle that just needed a stroke so i was like yeah sorry can i straight your dog um but yeah it was really cool <laughs> And here's the real question. Are you supposed to ask someone before you stroke their dog or is it a fair game if the dog looks like he needs a stroke? Uh, no, I, I always ask. The way I, the way I word it is like, can I say hi, obviously, to the dog? Like, I just think it's quite a nice way of saying it. So, yeah, I always do just because you never know. Like, the dog could be super nervous or like, yeah, just, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of dogs and I do it a lot. So I've gotten used to it now. But I, yeah, I think as a general rule, you're probably best off. You just never know. <laughs> True. You, you've nailed the dog etiquette. <laughs> I have, yeah. Yeah, I'm a pro now. <laughs> Amazing. So I am so excited to dive into this conversation today. It's definitely been a long time coming for us to get on here. And I feel like there's just going to be so much value. So for those who may have not come across you or have come across your journey, I want to get started with where you got going with your health and fitness. I mean, go as far back as you feel is necessary to where you are today. So where did your journey start up and where did your superhero origin story begin? So I guess for me, I I was always into sport. Even my primary school was pretty sport focused. And then I moved into a, a high school that was actually in a leisure center. So I was quite lucky to be there. It wasn't the best school in the world, but because it was a leisure center, like we were pretty good at sports. So we were quite, I was quite lucky to, to land in that. So I've always loved everything in terms of sports. So at, at school, I would do like cross country. I did athletics. I was in the guys cricket team. Uh, we played netball, like literally all of it. But actually going right back, I started, I don't know why I've missed this out, but I was a gymnast from the age of like five um, oh, wow. competing. Yeah, yeah. So I competed nationally, um, quite high level. Uh, until I was about 24, 25. Um, so that was my life. Um, no way. I didn't realize it was so long. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, if it were, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that. And I, um, so I did artistic gymnastics, which is, you know, four piece bars, being floor vault. It really was the, the only thing I ever did, like growing up. Uh, and obviously with school and stuff as well, you did all the other stuff. I actually competed in athletics for uh, quite some time as well. I was like county champion for javelin every single year. I went to English nice. schools. I ended up doing heptathlon for uh, Cheshire. Um, at one point, I had to make a decision between athletics and gymnastics because competition started to clash and I just had to make a commitment. So, yeah, I, um, I did gymnastics for quite some time and, you know, traveled to all different kinds of countries to train and all that kind of stuff. So my whole life was based around that, um, nice. which was then very difficult when I stopped because the difference between the thing is, like, I, as you know now, like I'm training at gym, but. I used to hate the gym with a passion because sport and going to the gym are very different things. Like I did gymnastics because I loved it. I didn't do it to keep healthy or fit. I just did it because it was cool as fuck. <laughs> 
um, <laughs> and it made me feel good. But obviously, at the time, I didn't realize like like what exercise does for your mind as well as sure. your body. I just did it because I loved it. So it's really difficult when you start, not only from a confidence point of view, but physically, I um, and mentally, I struggled because I literally had. I remember going to the doctors once. I, I ended up with depression after I stopped. They basically described it as having withdrawal symptoms from not exercising because. Again, as we know more now and as I know more now, when you're not releasing those endorphins and that's something I've been used to my whole life, uh, to then just stop and do nothing, I just wasn't okay. Like it was, it was very difficult. And I was only about, I think the first time I actually I had to stop for about nine months. But when I was about 17, uh, I had to get a full-time job and it just felt like there was too much going on to do both gymnastics and that. And yeah, I was, it, it just hit me very hard, as you can imagine. It was having a full-time job at that kind of age that was very, I was actually went into a call center where it was quite high pressured sales and this, that, and the other. And then mm-hmm. to, to add that pressure as well as not doing exercise just wasn't very good. So I really struggled because I just didn't know what else to do. Like I didn't know what to do in a gym. And I used to, funnily enough, at one point I lived next door, but one to a huge gym so I joined but I just didn't know what I was doing I was your typical person who would kind of walk in wander around like press a few buttons on machines like go into the ladies Mm -hmm. section of the gym and do some planks (laughs) and it would last about 15 minutes I'd get bored and I'd leave and you know and and then I don't want to go back because I felt like a twat (laughs) um (laughs) so so that was kind of where I was at for quite a while I really struggled to find anything and even in terms of nutrition, like I couldn't cook. Like I, I again, I moved out when I was um, as soon as I could, uh, but I didn't even know how to use an oven. So I would eat a lot of. I, I used to like I used to shop at like Iceland where everything's frozen. And you just whack it in the oven. So it was a lot of like <laughs> pizzas and and like turkey drummers and like uh-huh. my idea of health was like microwaving a bag of rice and putting some bacon in it honestly like I'm not even making this up um <laughs> and also without going too deep like I come from uh I don't come from a lot of money so growing up we didn't have like we didn't have the healthiest diet we just ate whatever was like on offer or um yep. could be easily made in batch and you know if you look into it enough you know if you're not that privileged, you don't have uh, easy access to healthier options. So I just was completely uneducated with all of that stuff. You'd be surprised you don't really get taught that unless you are a fairly, um, I want to say, like high-end, but I can't think of the right word in terms of gymnastics. Yeah, I know like even mean. then, I wasn't yeah. really taught a huge amount. So anyway, I eventually over the years uh, moved into more like marketing roles. So as a career, I slowly moved into social media marketing content. Um, and then I also moved to Manchester, did the big move um, and got the job at UP, which is obviously where you know me from or how it all started. And UP, for those who don't know, you probably those who are listening to your podcast will know UP Fitness Ultimate Performance. Uh, are high-end personal trainers so in my head I just thought oh this is cool you know I used to be into like sports and this and the other so maybe this is like Uh this sounds really fun and I went for the interview and I got the job and and then the first thing they did knowing full well I I hadn't lifted weights before it was very (laughs) unhealthy let's like put you through a transformation and I was like super up for it it was also really important for me to go through that kind of experience to do my job properly as well 
um, For sure. and to understand what they did. Uh, but yeah, because of my gymnastics background, like immediately just fell in love with lifting weights and realized I was quite good at it as well. Like I felt, you know, pretty quickly felt pretty strong and could lift quite a lot for, for like how small I was and blah, blah. So I worked at UP in marketing for about two and a half years. And as, as time went on and I was sharing more and more of my training journey, uh, like on my own social media, more and more people started to ask me questions, started to ask me, you know, how can, how can I get into it? Like you've inspired me to do this. Like, thank you for doing that. You know, all this stuff. And it was, at first it was like, oh, okay, thank you. Like, cool, cheers. But then over time, like <laughs> more and more people started asking me and I was like, you know what? I could, I really want to like help these people and I've always mm-hmm. wanted to work for myself and I've always wanted to, like, I've always enjoyed helping others. Like I used to be a gymnastics coach as well as actually do it myself. Um, sure. so I've always been into like teaching and, um, and all this. So it kind of all of a sudden just made sense to be a PT. And that was over just over three years ago now. I made the decision and then it just kind of happened. And now it's three years later and I'm in London <laughs> and it's just, I'm trying to like condense it, but that's the short-ish version anyway. Absolutely. There's so many different places to dive into. I want to start by going back to the gymnastics and what is that led you like what has that taught you about the industry how do you use your gymnastics training your coaching in today's coaching as well because i'm sure there's a ton of universal skills and you know the discipline you gain and all of that type of stuff i'm surprised there was no emphasis on nutrition i I assume there is these days but um yeah i'm sure it taught you a lot about just yourself your own body and everything like that how do you use that in your work today sure um well, with the nutrition, just to cover that briefly, I think the again, like I, I'm from Crewe, which is quite a small town, and I absolutely loved it. It was like my second home, but uh, the the gym that I trained at, you know, it was gymnastics. Also, isn't a hugely funded sport, so you know the coaches sure. that are there, they're just there because they love it. And unless you are like super high level, you're not going to have all of that education. You know, the the coaches there, you might get told, you know, eat your vegetables and whatever, but you're a kid. You're just like, mm-hmm. well, okay. <laughs> I <Whatever>. literally. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I remember times when I'd be sat in the car park, like, because I would go from a full-time job straight into four hours of training. I would just get a McDonald's and I'd be eating chicken nuggets before I went in. But looking mm-hmm. back, like, looking back, knowing what I know now, that especially as I got older and I did have more responsibility, like, in life, I used to get so frustrated with being like, why can't I do something? Like, I would be training and, you know, you're training for a long time and, I'd be so frustrated with like, I felt like I couldn't do stuff because I didn't have the energy or I felt like really sluggish yeah. or whatever. I'm like mind blown when I look back these days because I was like so frustrated by it. It's like, well, looking back, no wonder I couldn't do stuff. Like I was fueled on nuggets <laughs> and, and just, yeah, just not, not good food. But I guess, you know, I was getting the calories in at the very least. I had the energy, but it wasn't maybe True, the best. Yeah the best fuel possible to keep me going for that long so yeah but uh, I mean in terms of gymnastics not just for coaching but it's funny I was having this conversation not too long ago about how important it is and I know not every kid is you know naturally uh, encouraged to get into sports when they're younger you know again that's a whole different topic to talk about that 
not everyone feels like they they are, are sh- or should be doing sports like they don't feel comfortable doing it again a whole other mm-hmm. topic but I was lucky to be one of those kids that just naturally loved doing it and I love gymnastics but the huge thing about like that is it made me like who I am today I am so driven because of it and I you know you do learn to be part of a team with gymnastics in particular like hours and hours and hours and hours of repetition um, of what goes into being able to do just one thing and I remember as well when I was um I got very good at gymnastics very quickly and they kind of moved me up the ranks as such um into like the higher squads pretty quick but it wasn't long before they had to have the conversation with me where it's like you know what we're going to have to put you down a level because you've missed out on all the basics and that's so important and and at the time as a kid that was very difficult to hear like I'm being moved down like this is this sucks like you you're watching all the like I, I see them as the bigger girls but they were just slightly older and more experienced and I was gutted at the time but yeah looking back it was the right thing to do and that's exactly the kind of coach I am these days like I focus on the basics on the execution of things I love like uh, especially when people have missed that out like and they come to you and maybe they're pretty strong and maybe they can lift like a lot but they're they're, they've plateaued and they're not quite getting uh where they want to be and it's because they're not doing the basics because they're small examples but they're not working on technique and tempo they're not controlling things they're bouncing up and down in their squats they're they're not squatting deep enough like you know all these things I think that's definitely what's rubbed off on me as a coach Um, just understanding my body a bit more and the way things move and being able to explain stuff as well because again like I had to coach young kids and even I coached adults to do gymnastics like that's not easy. <laughs> it's really not no. very easy at all. So yeah, it definitely helped when I moved into PTing because it just became, it was pretty natural to me. I didn't have to learn that. It was just there, I guess. So Yeah, we absolutely share the same thoughts there. I think one of the most rewarding parts of getting someone on the floor for the first time and putting them through an actual split squat, you know, for example, where they're yeah. keeping their tempo in place, they're actually getting the depth yeah. they need. And they're just like, Hey, I could, what do you usually use for a split squat? Oh, like 18 kilos. And you put like, you just do it with body weight. And they're like, Oh wow. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's yeah. literally just yeah. so eye opening for them. No, exactly. Yeah. And then, um, I completely agree in terms of just like nailing the basics and just getting that stable foundation in place. It's just so vital. And then what you said about the kids as well, I couldn't agree more. I know maybe this is quite a, an aggressive opinion I have, but I genuinely believe that all children should be in some form of sport or some form of activity. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be competitive, but they have to do something where their body is moving, but also like just all of those universal skills that sports teach people, like you said, teamwork, you know, the importance of repetition, the importance of technique, the importance of, you know, having respect for a coach, for example, like all of those things. And like, sure. like you said, the termination, the drive, like, and I also think it toughens people up as well, right? Like you're not always yeah. going to, there's like objective margins. There's no, like, I know there is some of these like second place, fifth place, eighth place trophies, but in general, it's like you either make the, you know, you either score the goal or you don't. What would you call it in gymnastics? You either make the movement or. Yeah. You either hit it or you, you fall on your ass or you fall on your neck. Like <laughs> there's all kinds exactly. of things that can like, go wrong. As much as it's quite harsh, it's like, it's almost like there's very clear boundaries. And I just think that that's so valuable. And yeah, I absolutely couldn't agree more. So my next question, kind of a personal one, what do you deal? How do you deal? I should say with the what ifs, like I'm sure there was part of you that maybe wanted to be an Olympian who wanted to take it to the next level um do you sometimes stop and think about that 
Uh, it's quite. It's, yeah, it's a personal one, and it's it's it it, it it it. I don't think it ever goes away. I I had to stop gymnastics. A few reasons, actually, and again, this was quite a deep conversation I had with a, a client of mine uh, the other day, and it was all about like sport and the impact it has on on you and and the impact it doesn't have if you don't do it. But yeah, I I I think that all the time. I do, but there's also an element of I I wouldn't be here doing what I've done. I've done some amazing things. I I'm really proud of what I've done. As t- you know, I doubt myself a lot, and I've a lot of imposter syndrome and all that jazz. But you know, I've done all right, <laughs> and I am aware of that. And but there's always yeah, there I I snapped my Achilles, um, which is why I had to stop. Really, um, I did get back into it, but and. I, I was actually better than I'd ever been. I was training for essentially that the it was like my year. I I, I was a little bit older. I, I understood things more. I come back from an injury. I realised yeah I am actually good enough. And my plan was basically to go to so I, I was in, into tumbling at this point, and I wanted mm-hmm. to go to the world tumbling championship later on in the year. And I knew that I was capable. I knew that I had the skill level. I'd actually managed to uh, finally find myself another gym that was slightly higher level. I had to travel for about an hour to get there after work. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Lillishaw, um National Sports Centre, but basically I found it, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a, a, a club, uh, but clubs will go there to train because it's where all the DB gymnasts train and all this. So the, the club itself was actually Coventry. So I joined Coventry uh, Club and they were amazing. Uh, the coach was like an ex. He was Russian. He was an ex uh, tumbling coach, uh, and he's exactly how you imagine as well. Like uh, him and his wife uh, had been in like Moscow Circus. They were incredible. They were really cool. Yeah, it was amazing. And I managed to find these people who would coach me. Um, I just needed to get there. So, uh, you know, I was I was like really ready. And um, I, I was I think it must have been about three or four weeks out of the like British qualifiers, which again for me would have been. I was training alongside the the rest of the GB team, so I knew I was good enough to be in the team. I just had to sure. qualify, and yeah, a few weeks out, I I I pulled my good Achilles, doing the exact same thing that I'd done snapping my other one, and I just just had this moment of like, you know what, I I can't do this again. Not even just because I I like mentally, it, it was hard to come back from that kind of injury, especially with tumbling. It's such high impact, and you are. My like niche was that I was very powerful. I was very fast. I was very my like somersaults were higher than anyone else's. I was faster than anyone else, and that was kind of what I was known for. So to, to have an injury that that basically makes that a lot harder, sure, it, it just knocks you. And for that to then happen again, not only did it not meet, did, would it have a huge impact on my actual training, but. I couldn't physically afford to not be able to drive to work. I worked, lived by myself, so I, I, you can't, you can't do anything when you snap your Achilles. Like I remember once going to the kitchen on crutches and having to like eat and have a drink in the kitchen because I couldn't then bring my food and, and drink to like oh, where wow. I wanted to go and eat. <laughs> so you know, little things like that that are really like not accounted for when you think about like people who get to the top in sports. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm certainly not taking it away from people who get there, but you you have to. So many things have to be right for you to be able to get there. Like I again, like I was wasn't I didn't have a hard life. It wasn't difficult, but I also didn't necessarily have the same advantages as someone who, like you know, a lot of the girls who I trained around, for example, especially gymnastics. It isn't a cheap sport. 
um, they would have parents who could who could cover those kind of things, the travel. You know, they might be going to university where they still live at home and, you know, all of that is taken care of. Whereas I couldn't physically, like I wouldn't be able to drive if I did it again. You know, I'd already gone through all of that and I couldn't go to work if that happened and I couldn't pay my bills if that happened. And it just, for me, it was like, you know what, this is the right time to stop. So, yeah, I when you think of like the what ifs, I, it, that really had a huge impact on me, my confidence, and it, it rubbed off on everything, and still does every now and then to this day. But um, but again, like you can never really have those regrets. So it's not a regret. It's not certainly not. But yeah, it, it's hard not to think like that sometimes. Of course, yeah. I think there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we don't see. You know, especially like you said, with not only people who make it, but all the people who don't see it, the Olympics, who had a very, very close chance of doing it, but it was just one certain situation, whether it was, you know, their financial situation, logistics, injuries, uh, just a, sh- a very slight shortcoming of talent compared to the other people within their group. And I think there is a lot more uh, that we don't see. So it's a very good point to make. And then transitioning onto where you find yourself today in the fitness uh, industry, I'm interested to understand how you felt when you got started within the industry because of when I first arrived at UP and I'd been in the industry for me like three or four years at that point, I was like, I literally know nothing. You know, I just felt like the smallest fish in the, in the ocean, basically. And I came from a place where there was some smart trainers there, but I didn't feel necessarily inadequate. Um, so how did you feel coming from not having any experience of personal training to then, you know, entering probably one of the highest possible places you could from a education standpoint and the group of elite trainers, right? Because if that was your first exposure, which is not normal because most people start in a pure gym, they start in an LA fitness, but you kind of went straight to the top. So how did you find getting into it when you had so much experience and knowledge around you? Yeah. Well, I didn't actually PT at UP, so just to clear that up. But uh, so I went into, but what was hard for me is that because I, you know, I, I didn't make the decision when I was at UP to be a, a personal trainer. I actually moved on mm-hmm. to another job. I worked for my pro, uh, my protein for a little bit. Um, sure. uh, and that it was there that I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. Uh, and I went into it full time. Um, I was working in a commercial gym initially, but I think the hardest thing for me when I first started working was like, I was aware that, you know, I was, I was surrounded by some of the most knowledgeable people at UP and, you know, my boss was Nick Mitchell, you know, so to, to know that those people were watching what I was doing, I think that was the hardest bit for me. I, uh, because mm-hmm. again, like even, you know, um, like Nick's views on sometimes, and, and don't get me wrong, I have these views as well, but like people who are maybe influencers who decide they're going to be PTs and have no knowledge and they start spouting shit that they shouldn't mm-hmm. be taught, you know, they shouldn't be saying out loud just yet, you know, learn first and then, and be very confident that that is the right thing to say and then do it. So that was my concern, like going in, I, I was, yeah, I was constantly thinking, what if I say this wrong? Like what if people think that, yeah, like that, that whole imposter syndrome, like that had a huge impact on me for quite a while. But at the same time, I was like, well, I can use that to my advantage. It's like, I might not have been a PT at UP, but I was editing articles all the time. I was reading stuff. I was, without even realizing, I was taking in so much knowledge. Um, I was taught, literally taught from scratch. So I'd never lifted weights before, but UP taught me how to lift weights. So, 
as a whole, like Nick taught me stuff, you know, I, I used to see that as a negative, but actually like I might be new to PTing, but actually I had more experience than the majority of PTs that I was around, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it, it took me a long time to get to that point. And even the, like, even now, like, and you'll probably <laughs> agree with this, like that imposter syndrome it very rarely goes away I think there is always someone you can look at and if you do compare yourself to others there is always some doubt that you'll start to have but I think if you can use that to your advantage rather than seeing it as a negative and I'm saying this out loud because I need to hear it too um at times but if you can use that and be like you know what I I don't need to compare myself to this person but if this person is doing stuff that I'm unsure of, then I need to learn about that. Or if this person is doing things maybe better than I am, then I I need to learn about that. So, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, um, it was hard starting out for that reason more so than being surrounded by others. But I've always, anyone I'm around who has more knowledge than me or more experience, I just use them and not in a horrible way. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ask them questions. Like it's actually a really good thing to have people around you who, have more experience because if you don't and you're the person who's at the top as such or if you're the person who has the most experience you're really not going to get that much out of it you definitely need to surround yourself with people who can you know push you and inspire you and and help you learn a thing or two and that's one of the reasons why actually i'm now working at the foundry so yeah um I definitely don't think it's a bad thing but it can easily take over and be a negative thing if you let it (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you're completely right. I think if you don't have imposter syndrome, I think I'd be more concerned about you than if you do, right? And sure, I think, exactly. Uh, yeah. Right? It's like, if you were just like, yeah, I kind of know it all. And I feel like yeah. your reflection on that is beautiful in the sense of like, if I was going to you know, start my career anywhere and get taught by someone. It's like you, it's great to be starting from scratch and getting such an exposure to such a high quality level because of, then you don't sure. have to make those mistakes yourself. So yeah, you're right yeah. to say that that was certainly an advantage. And then again, something that I actually admire about you and what I've seen throughout your content as well is that you do strive to learn, you strive to get better and you strive to find people, like you said, who, who know a little bit more, who have been in the industry a lot more. And one of your other superhero powers that I've identified is your vulnerability, which we've touched on a little bit. So how have you been able to carry that over into such a public space? Was it something you always did where you were always quite able to be vulnerable with those around you when you were doing gymnastics? Because you seem to be very open and honest with your mental well-being, your physical well-being, just absolutely everything on such a thing as large as social media, which can be quite unforgiving at times. So I, I see it as personally quite admirable, um, but I'm just Thank wondering you. how you got to that place because it's quite... Yeah, it's quite rare to see people being so authentic in the fitness industry anyway. Sorry for everyone out there who's going to be offended by that. <laughs> it's fine. You know what? I've always been a bit like that. Um, I The whole social media thing, I um, it, it's funny. Sam says the Instagram comes from, I used to, uh, I started out as writing blogs and it wasn't for anyone. I just started, it actually started when I snapped my Achilles. I, I started a blog called Me and My Skinny Leg, oh, really? which was <laughs> the recovery. Yeah, I could find it. It's probably not that interesting anymore. But and why, um, <laughs> I even remember like I wouldn't do paragraphs or anything. Like this was a long time ago. And that's kind of how I started. Like I wanted to just talk about stuff. And I don't really know where that, like where or why initially that came from because like, at school I was never really much of a writer or anything like that. I just focused on a sport. Like, I, I, you know, I did well at school, but academically, but yeah, I was never like really into reading or writing. Like, I, I hardly ever read books, but 
yeah, I've, I've always been a sharer. Like I always, even just my personality is to share, like in my thoughts, um, I say out loud often, like if I'm cold, I'll tell you I'm cold. If I need the toilet, I'll tell you I need the toilet. Like it's just something, it just kind of comes out. I can't really help it. So I've always been a bit like that. And, and when Instagram came about, like I would, yeah, just share stuff. And I think, I think my, my idea is like sharing content in the blogs that I used to write. I wanted, I started to see this. I started to see social media turn into, slowly turn into highlight reels where people would boast yeah. about the holidays that they were going on and the, the cars that they bought and the, the house that they'd moved into and like slowly. And I was just sat there like hanging out with my cat. Like I, I really didn't do anything. <laughs> I, you know, I've never really been one to go out that much because of gymnastics. I just kind of, that's all I did. So I, you know, I didn't get out much. I, you know, I had friends and stuff. We'd go and eat, but it was just like, yeah, that's all we do. We're pretty chilled. And because of all this, like, stuff that was going out there, I was like, I'm just going to maybe, I'm going to continue to, like, share my stuff, but I'm going to talk about just the boring stuff, like, the, the stuff that, like, if I'm, like, sharing a, the fact that I've had a really good cup of tea or, yeah, just, like, I, I remember once I wrote a blog about how much I loved Aldi. And the benefits of Aldi, like I was just, I really rated Aldi and I wrote a blog about it. Or um, like things to do when you're skint because I was really shit with money um, when I was younger. And yeah, I would never have any money to do anything despite the fact I had very little outgoings compared to like what I do now. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about like the normal stuff. And I think I've always just wanted to try and keep it like that. It's hard as, as it does grow because there is a pressure of, again, like what I was saying to you before, you start to overthink things and, and you feel like you need to be doing something exciting to talk about it. And you feel like, you um, need to have something really special to say to be able to say anything. And whenever I've been writing a blog or been trying to come up with ideas or I get stuck, and it is really funny that we're talking about this now because I am currently in this funk and I'm hearing myself say this out loud now and it's helping me <laughs> with what I'm mm -hmm. currently going through. But actually, you don't need to have anything exciting to say. It's what I was saying to you before. And when it comes to training, like, the basics are always the, the basics and the basics are always the most important thing. And it's the stuff in between that people care more about anyway. Like no one, no one actually wants to see more people bang on about the great holiday that they've had. Don't get me wrong. If you've been on holiday, like I'm very happy for you because we all know it's been a hard time the last couple of, couple of years. So I'm certainly not saying to those people, but what I'm saying is people also just really want to see the normal and the boring stuff and, and yeah, the, the shit stuff that other people think that they're going through alone, but actually you see someone else going through it and that's really comforting. So I've tried to always keep it like that for a reason. Like, and yeah, that was, I want to say like my blog, Sam says, like that's where it came from. And then I had like business cards because I started doing freelance writing for for people and it had like Sam says and that's where it come from and it just it just kind of stuck but um that was like 10 12 years ago now so even though like I don't have the biggest following in the world I've all, I've been doing this for such a long time that it kind of feels uh yeah that I've kind of tried to always keep it that way yeah I think the best thing about that is the fact it's just so relatable like you mentioned you will see all of this other stuff that you know might make people feel 
less than, or they might feel like their life is not as spontaneous. But then, like I said to you earlier, when we're off there, you essentially give people permission to say, well, actually, this is what it's like most of the time. And even for me, now I've grown my following and, you know, I'm, I'm better off than where I was five years ago. The reality of life is still that we still get up in the morning, we make our beds, we go shower, we go to work and, you know, we have bad days and good days. And I think by showing that and other people being able to see that and just be like, oh yeah, you know, Sam, Sam feels like that. And I feel mm-hmm. like that. And it, I think people gravitate towards that more because you can't, most people can't relate to the Ferrari and the trip to Barbados and all of that type of stuff. Right. So I think it's nice yeah. to show that. And I think if you do show that people are like, that's cool because we see the real side of Sam as well. And like, I'm not saying that's not real, but it's not your everyday and it's not the only thing you try to show. Right. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So I want to transition on to kind of, we got a lot of context on you, which I love, but we're going to transition <laughs> to kind of the three core questions of today. And we're going to start with the training, dive into the nutrition and wrap up with a mindset question. But I want to start with the training because you are incredibly open-minded when it comes to the different sports, different events that you try, you know, there's these long runs, there's these 24 hour cycles, there's these uh, CrossFit events, there's everything that you could possibly think of. Right. And sure. I know that it, with fitness, it's so easy to get boxed into what you're doing. Like I was boxed into bodybuilding for so, so long and afraid to step out of that because of, I didn't want to compromise what I was doing in there, or, you know, I didn't want to be a beginner again. So how would you, how do you find that you're able to just get into things that you've maybe never done before? And you're so open to try these crazy challenges and how would you encourage other people to do it, especially those who maybe don't find the gym that interesting? Because I feel like that's going to be a really good route to longevity. Because if you've got a goal yeah. one year to be a really good runner, then a goal to be a good swimmer and then a goal to be a cyclist, then you know that's just going to fuel the longevity of your journey. So yeah, I'd love to hear your views on it personally and how you would encourage other people to get into more of uh, versatility within their training and their fitness. Yeah, I think it's funny when you're saying that I'm like, yeah, no, I did all of that. And uh-huh. it's like now yeah, I'm like, <laughs> honestly, fuck knows why I said yes to all that. But no, <laughs> I, I'm so, so grateful that I did. It's so good, like to give a bit of context to those who like haven't followed that journey. I, as you know, like I, everything I learned was at UP and it was all about like hypertrophy style training. I moved into some strength training and, and then like it, that was what I would teach my clients when I became a PT. So I kind of just did that for quite a while. I, Red Bull had actually reached out at the end of a year. I can't even remember what year now. COVID like ruined timelines for everything. Some but 2017, 2018, 2019. 2018. Same <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some sometime a little bit ago. Um, they asked, <laughs> yeah, they asked me about um, New Year uh, New Challenge campaign, which was what it says on the tin. And um, they wanted me to get stuck into, uh, originally the idea was to do, I can't remember the name of it now, but the event itself was like on a beach um, and it was like a mile run in sand dunes, which is, is pretty gross. But I was like, okay, well, I, I've done some running in the past and I could probably do that. And because it was Red Bull, I was like, I'm not going to say no because it's Red Bull. Like, that's mm. really cool. So I was like, yeah, cool. Let's have a chat about it. And then when we did have the chat, it was like, oh, we changed our minds. We actually want you to do our swimming event, which is called Neptune Step. Um, and that's in Glasgow. And it's basically an open water, like open water swim in a canal in March. In Glasgow, so very cold, okay? <laughs> very cold in a canal, as you do. And it was like you you swim, you climb out of the locks, and then you get back in, and each climb gets harder. 
and it's, it's cold. And I was like, they were explaining this. I was like, yeah, that all sounds really cool. But guys, like, I can't swim. <laughs> so I was like, I, I really would love to, but I just, I'm not a swimmer. Of all of the sports, I, I found myself being pretty good at most sports, like just a little bit. Like I can pick stuff up pretty easily. Swimming has always mm-hmm. been that one thing that I'm pretty shit at, like, I just uh, I court, like I can, I can swim. I'm not saying I can't actually swim. I can like breaststroke, not for very long. I get bored. I, I feel like I'm not doing it right. So I've just always hated it because if I'm not good at something, I just don't enjoy it as as most people would. So I was like, guys, I I really want to work with you, but I actually cannot like this. And I had three months. I think it's less than three months to be able to do that as well. Mm-hmm. So I was a bit like, I can't do it. I'm really sorry. And then the guy was like explaining you know we'll help you out we'll, we'll coach you we'll hook you up with some coaches this that and the other and I just thought you know what like if there's ever going to be a time again I didn't want to say no to Red Bull but also I just thought if there's ever going to be a time of me learning how to swim like this should be a good this would be it so I just thought you know what fuck it let's do it mm. and and honestly like the journey was shit like it was it was hard but I, I knew it was going to be and I'd before I before I started the training for it, I literally had to have a word with myself and say, you're not going to enjoy this, but you have to show up anyway. Like, it doesn't matter how shit the session was before. It doesn't matter how stupid you feel in the baby part of the swimming pool. It doesn't matter that you look like an athlete in the pool, but you cannot, like, you're going 10 meters at the time and then panicking because you don't know how to breathe underwater. Like, I have to um, go through that journey of being very shit mm-hmm. at something. But the good thing about being shit at something is you can make progress very easily if you stick at it. Um, it's like the honeymoon period, right? Like if you've been strength training for a long time, as you know, it's much harder to see results. It's much harder to see those increments of progression because any tiny little increment is a progression when you've been training for that mm-hmm. long. So if you rent. Yeah, exactly. And if you can't swim very well and you can only do 10 meters and then all of a sudden you can do a whole length, like that's so exciting. And like, it doesn't matter like how crap you were, you're making, I know it's like the, the you versus you thing can sound very cheesy at times, but if you know that like a couple of weeks ago you were in the baby pool and now you're like diving in the big bit and you know, mm-hmm. it, it's really exciting. It's fun again. And like, I the the event itself didn't even happen because of COVID. So literally, like two weeks before, <laughs> I was good. But at the same time, I wasn't because I'd got, gained so much confidence from that. I'd shown myself. I was very much getting to a place where, again, because of as you know the whole gymnastics thing now as well. I've always felt like I'd never did enough. I've always felt like I could have done more. Um, mm-hmm. and and. Going through that, where I, I, I pushed myself outside of my comfort zone, I showed myself, I was also starting to get into like, you know, I was with Under Armour at the time, and I was going to these events, and I was really feeling like outside of my comfort zone, I was feeling like I shouldn't be here. But actually going through that experience and pushing myself, I was like, I've just shown myself that I can actually do more than I've been letting on. I can actually do more mm-hmm. than I thought I could. And so when once you have that bug, um, so the swimming thing happened and then and then lockdown happened and then everyone started running. So then I started running quite a bit and you know, I couldn't train inside my house. Like as much as I love strength training, I just couldn't do it. It was it, as you said, I was like I I could just couldn't do it. it. It wasn't for me. And um so I got into running and I'm and then and then I started really enjoying it. And again, Red Bull, I ended up doing this virtual week of training as an ultra runner. 
again, never thought I'd be doing that because as much as I used to run when I was younger, that was quite a while ago now. Like <laughs> when you weight train, you kind of ruin your body for running if you don't run and you just stick to weight training. So I had a very different body to what I used to have. And and then so I got into running and then it was like, okay, I, I can swim, which was always the hardest bit. I just started running. Fuck it, I'll get a bike. <laughs> so I got a bike, and then um, I was I was quite fortunate actually to be able to do like I did two sprint triathlons. So this whole journey literally was like I started training for the swimming event in January. In September, I did two sprint triathlons, and I'd only gotten a bike in August, and That's I didn't awesome. do it very fast. Like I didn't, I wasn't aiming for any kind of time. I just wanted to get through it, like. And I did two back-to-back. And again, I was lucky that I managed to get to do any events because they really were quite slim at the time. And both of it, again, it just every time I did these things, I was like, oh, my, what else can I do? And I suddenly had this, like, uh, you know, if someone asks me to do something different, I'm just going to do it because my body can clearly do more than I've been than I've been trying to do. So, again, like after the triathlons, when I was then approached uh, by Ultra X to do a lot of the like ultra uh, marathons and stuff, they were like, hey, do you want to do you want to do an ultra marathon? <laughs> I was just like, oh, I was like, when, when is it? It was like, oh, it's nine weeks away. I was like, but, and I, I was lucky that I'd been kind of like training for triathlons, but the distances really weren't that far. I think I just celebrated the fact that I'd ran 14K for the first time ever. Literally, like the week before, I I'd, I'd posted on it on my Instagram, and everyone was like, oh, well done, Sarah. That's amazing. I was like, yeah, no, it's huge. And then I was like, oh, by the way, I'm going to do a 50K now. Um, and it's going to be a trail uh, ultra marathon as well. So it's going to be 50K with elevation. And I just thought, yeah, go on then. Like, why not? I've learned how to swim. So, um, But it's always, always, always the journey that you gain more out of because you just learn. You learn so much about yourself. You you go through a lot of struggles just as much as you, like, achieve new things. Because, again, like, I never ran further than 14K. So every single time, every week, I was running further than I'd ever ran. And on the day itself, I, I actually did the, we had to do the ultra virtually and it was the first weekend of moving to London. So I also did it um. in London, around London. And I, I only managed 45K, but that was still technically an ultra. Um, but again, I didn't care that I don't, I didn't hit the 50K because I had never even ran a marathon, let alone an, a half marathon. I think I tried an, a half marathon once and it was absolutely awful and I, was in agony for the majority of it I didn't even run most of it like so I never really classed that as a race but um yeah I just the the best I can I can't I can't recommend it enough because the growth that I got like I had a huge confidence boost from being shit at stuff like that sounds really funny Mm -hmm. but being really shit at something and being outside of your comfort zone really does just take you to another level if you commit to it and if you just accept that, you know what, this might suck for a little bit and you might be shit and there might be lots of other people who are better than you and running faster than you and whatever. But the fact that you've gone from like the fact that I went from only being able to or only running 14K ever to then doing a 45K around London, you know, I'm quite, I was quite proud of that. And yeah, I just, I can't recommend that enough. It's, it's really worth it. Yeah, I can imagine how much you gained from that. I think you made a, like a few really good points. Like the first was that you literally needed to have a word with yourself before the swimming side of things, right? <laughs> and I think just that mental, like, I'm actually like, I think a lot of people go in with these 
and maybe this their transformation journeys and their body composition improvements. They're like, they go in and just focus on the highs that the weight loss and their feelings of health, but they don't realize how much of it's actually going to suck. And I think like mm. by mentally prepping yourself for like, okay, this there's going to be a lot of this for it. It's going to be terrible. I'm going to feel yeah. out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to feel like I'm going to be able to do, you know, what most people can do. And again, so the second aspect, you know, not comparing yourself. Third aspect, using that to then propel you onto other things and saying, okay, well, I can do this with my physical. And, you know, the physical is quite hard to overcome because of, you know, my body's mechanism is to protect me and to conserve energy. So if I can overcome this, what else can I overcome? So I think there's just like so many valuable takeaways to that, um, just from like the newness of it all, but also, yeah, just stepping out of your comfort zone and just realizing, okay, well, what's next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you do get a bug. I, I think that is, again, like this is something I'm now considering because I am getting to the point in my training where I'm, at, I'm a little bit lost. I'm not really sure what I'm training for. Like, it's great that I can now, you know, even go to events like, I don't know if you saw High Rocks that I went to recently, you know, that that's like a, it's like 8K, um, 8 1K runs split up with like workouts. So like sandbag lunges, like a thousand meter row, you know, this, that. So it's, it's like an mm-hmm. hour that it took us, I did it uh, with a friend of mine and it took us like one hour, 14 minutes to do. Um, the thought of doing that, like this time last year, or I don't even know, where are we now? Yeah, the thought, or maybe like not too long ago, I would never even sign myself up for that. I wouldn't think that I was capable of doing something like that. Now I can be in a position where like, I'm invited to something like that. And don't get me wrong, I actually thought I was going to die. I genuinely thought this is going to kill me off. I don't know if I'll make it. I'll see you on the other side. Um, but actually, I held my own and I was really proud of myself and how well I did. So I'm actually doing it again at the end of the month. Um, it's in Birmingham, if anyone does want to keep an eye out for that or do it yourself. But yeah, I'm, I actually loved it. So now I'm like, yeah, I want to do it again. But um yeah, I think it's, it's it's really nice as well. I love strength training. Like I, I don't think I'll ever get bored of it, but it's nice to have different reasons mm-hmm. to strength train. So like that's another positive that came from doing like the triathlons and doing the ultras is all of a sudden I fell in love with strength training again because I needed to be strong for something. I needed to, I could change my training a little bit as well to, to be more specific for that. And I, I learned more as well. I learned more um, as a coach. I learned new movements. I learned more specifics about conditioning and being a bit more performance based. And, you know, so yeah, it's like, it was a whole journey for me, but yeah, I, um, I encourage it. I encourage taking on new things like, just just do it and see what happens like worth a go I think it's an amazing message. And I, like we mentioned earlier from the longevity of your training as well, like a lot of people think, okay, how am I going to make this last for years and years and years? But when you actually set these new goals, you try these new things. And like you said, you've, you've added purpose back to your training. You love strength training, but now it's got a purpose to it, which makes cool. such a difference when you enter the gym, just your mentality and your approach. So I completely agree. And something you've done a really good job of. And as we transition to the nutrition tra- question is that you've displayed food not as a form of weight loss you know you're not adjusting your food to play around with calories you're not looking at it from a macronutrient ratio maybe you are but you what you display more of is that this is fuel i need to perform well i need to recover well and sometimes i just need to feel good of what i'm eating and i feel like mm-hmm. you do a really good job of displaying that even last night with putting your hobnobs and tea on your instagram <laughs> story, for example right you don't see that many fitness influencers do it you might see their like one big blowout with the pizza and the thingy 
And then it's literally back to like chicken and rice for like the next 12 weeks. Whereas like you know, with yourself, it's like, ah, you know, I want hobnobs today. So I'm going to go get them. So how did you personally move away from looking at food as something that was a mechanism to help with weight loss to seeing, oh, actually, this is the thing that's helping my body thrive, perform and recover? Again, I think that a lot of that, I, I kind of picked up on it, even at UP, you know, after I'd done my transformation, I was then moving into strength training. And, and the, the good side, the, the good thing for me was that I wasn't just, I wasn't a client at UP, I worked there. So I wasn't just coached by one person. There were loads of coaches around me, not just at the gym I worked at, but I spoke to a lot of the coaches at all the other gyms. So I learned so many different mm-hmm. things from so many different coaches. There was never that one approach, which was actually really good for me. I think I ended up with a much healthier approach to training and nutrition because of it. And as the years go Agreed. on, like, you know, you learn more and more about the fitness industry and you learn more and more about the issues and the negative impacts of, you know, strict transformations that not even strict transformations, as we know, are not necessarily bad for you. It's just the way that they are done it, uh, and the method and the approach can be negative like and and people can be left with a lot of issues if they're not done the right way Mm -hmm. and that was what I started to get into as a coach as well I was starting to see the negative impacts and the fact that these people couldn't maintain um, these results and they were coming to me because they didn't know how to maintain it and I uh, slowly I started to turn into this coach that was less focused on transformations and more about sustainability and, and how it should be really for the majority of people or the type of people that Absolutely. were coming to me. So I kind of started to pick on that anyway, but the, I made a huge shift in terms of performance like, and fueling when I started to train for the triathlons because, oh my God, it's a different ball game. Like swimming, as we know, you go swimming for five minutes and you're absolutely ravenous all of a sudden. You're starving, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, honestly, you see like swimmers, you, you appreciate if you, uh, even after that one swimming lesson I had, it was like, I now respect swimmers so much. Like, how do they do it? <laughs> I once, um, as part of the Red Bull thing, just a little sidetrack, but as part of the Red Bull thing, I went to Swansea and had a training session with a Commonwealth swimmer. And, and it was really fun and it was great. And I thought, oh, I had a good session that day. Like, that was great. And then as I was finishing up, it's like a really big pool, like really professional, a load of like almost like Commonwealth Olympic professional swimmers came in for their training session and their warm-up, like they were all absolutely shredded. Their warm-up was like 10 times what I could even do in it, like in one, like it was crazy. Um, so loads of big respect to the swimmers out there. But um, uh-huh. my, my point is I had to change my the way I ate because I like, especially because I was trying to do the training on top of being the coach, which as you know, is also exhausting. Like you're on your feet all day. You need to be fueled. If you don't eat well, you're going to be fucked physically as well as mentally. And yeah, you can no longer rely on like, I mean, even because I'm fairly petite and even with the training I was doing at the time, you know, strength training, if you've been doing it for a while, you don't need to eat as much as you think, especially if you're mm-hmm. you know, just maintaining. Like I wasn't trying to build muscle or anything like that. So as much as I did eat a decent amount of food, like, all of a sudden I had to eat like twice what I was eating. Um, and the thing that the very quick lesson that I learned was that you can't eat the way you would eat if you were on a transformation. 
because mm. as you know like if if you try and eat like your high protein let's say low carb um and then vegetable type meal like you fill up quicker than you can get the number of calories in that you need to and that was all i kind of knew that kind of way of splitting meals up was like i'd eat those meals and then i'd i was always fairly balanced with my nutrition i'd still have takeaways i i'd, I'd never really had any issues with like treating myself as you call it but mm-hmm. uh, um so that wasn't the issue but i just I hadn't really thought of that. So I actually got outside help because I was like, how do I get this amount of calories? Because I physically can't get it in me. And then we started talking about, you know, do you like beans on toast with cheese? I was like, yeah, I do. I was like, well, that is protein, carbs and fat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. But I never even thought of that as a meal. I was like, oh my God, like what? Uh, and it was just, and that kind of, you had to, you, the fuel is so important with those kind of events. You cannot run for that long by winging your nutrition. Like you, you have to, so even from a performance point of view, like I had to learn that. But then I have always been, as I said before, like I've always loved, I've loved my takeaways. I've always been like a fast food <laughs> monster. As such. like I used, <laughs> I used to be very unhealthy with it and not from a, it wasn't like a, a disordered eating point of view. It's just, I didn't know any other way. Like it wasn't, I wasn't going out of my way to like binge or anything like that. I just, that was what I knew. Like that was the type of food that I grew up on. Like I didn't, didn't know health. <laughs> I didn't understand mm-hmm. even the education side of things. I didn't realize how un- like unhealthy that was. As we know, no one thing is unhealthy on its own, but to, to be able to learn how to fuel myself for better performance was, was really fun and really interesting. And, that's kind of how I got into it anyway. I could ramble on about that for quite a while. No, I loved hearing that. And I think what's interesting and what you probably realized as well is that when you're going for a transformation journey or you're focusing on body composition goals, you can kind of take shortcuts with your nutrition. But whereas with performance, those shortcuts very much show up in your, the way that you perform. For example, if I don't consume enough protein, but I keep my calories low enough, I might see, still see the results on the scales that I want to see. If I skip out on getting my fats in, I might still get my results. My hormones might be messed up, but I'm more paying my attention to my aesthetics, right? So you can take those sure. shortcuts, which I don't think promotes and encourages food for health. Whereas I think with performance, it's like, well, like you said, you know, if you're not consuming enough food and you try and eat, you know, your high protein, uh, high veg satiating foods, you're just not going to be able to do it, right? You're just not going to be able to, you don't have the fuel in you to perform. So I think that's probably quite an insightful part of going for performance versus aesthetics, right? Yeah. And also to cover on the in-between of that as well, like I think the problem we're talking about, not for every, that's not going to work for everyone talking about fueling for performance, because even though that should work for everyone and it is, it is relevant for everyone because performance doesn't mean you are actually competing. It doesn't have to mean you're an athlete to fuel for performance. Performance can be like fueling yourself for your day, as in fueling yourself for life, for work, for looking after the kids, you know, that that is how um, it should be seen. But to kind of cover the in-between is I also have wanted to, again, like learn for clients. Like uh, most people have things that they enjoy eating or drinking. Most people like going out and socializing. Most people have a sweet season and, and don't uh, and find it difficult to cut out chocolate or they want to have a glass of wine on a few nights every week. And I think to as a coach like I wanted to learn how um, my clients could achieve their goals feel better about the way they look as well as feel stronger physically but also be able to keep those things that they enjoy in their diets and in their lives because like they shouldn't be sacrificed yes there needs to be moderation and yes changes need to be made but 
it just isn't sustainable or healthy for the majority of people to cut those things out. Um, and if that means having sometimes having an honest conversation and saying, look, yes, we can get you feeling better about the way you look. No, you're probably not going to be super lean. But the reality is you probably don't want that anyway. And really, is it that worth it? You're probably not going to be that happy anyway. So that's obviously a little bit of a different kind of topic to what we're touching on. But just to, just to explain for those who might be listening who... Um, think that you know fueling performance doesn't just have to mean you know you're competing for something but if you look at it that way as well i think that's really important and yeah i could again i could ramble on about that for some time (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i completely agree and i think the most important thing to say is like people will come with lofty goals and i think that's amazing especially when it comes to the body composition or if it's a sporting event and as a coach, you just have to be real with them. And, you know, the fortunate thing with both of us is that we've gone to the extremes and then you can tell them, okay, this is what it actually feels like to be there. And if you want sure. to feel like that, then cool. You know, we might not make any leaps and bounds with your health at this time, but this is where we'll get to. But this isn't the sustainable thing, right? Like, I think we both believe yeah. that, like this is not the place we leave you. And eventually, you know, we might be able to be lean, but that's not going to be forever. We have to go for a reverse diet. We have to build up your calories into a place that promotes health again. I think ultimately it's just about, presenting the individual with information and then actually once they weigh up the pros and cons and not just think about the upsides of it then allowing them to make that decision and then taking them through it in the safest manner right yeah sure definitely and i don't think this would be a conversation that we could possibly have unless i touched on mental well-being and mental health because i know that you are <laughs> a very big advocate of it and you are going you know like everyone is going through their own journey and fortunately enough as i mentioned earlier you are someone who is open and honest and able to be vulnerable and authentic with you know all the ups and downs you go through with your mental health so i'm very interested when it comes to the main message which i think you promote is like it's okay not to be okay and for anyone who's struggling at this moment in time who thinks it's not okay to be okay or doesn't feel like they've got someone to help them or anything in their life that helps them feel a little bit okay or coming to a degree of acceptance where would you guide them like what would the advice that you would give that has helped you personally and what advice are you giving people because i'm sure your dms are full of people who are having challenges so what advice are you Mm -hmm. giving those type of people who are mentally struggling with their mental health yeah i mean obviously i'm no therapist i'm no professional when it comes to mental health but it's more about just like hopefully with more more and more of us talking about our own experiences these days um mm-hmm. it, it just again it's that relatable um impact that it has on people it's like the main issue with mental health is it can it can even when you know it's not it can feel like it is just you and it can feel like there is like you can just feel very alone when you're you're not feeling your best self and I think yeah talking about it again the most important thing to remember like you said is just to know that it's it is normal and 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 the majority of us have mental you know we all have mental health sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not and I think again we are very lucky that we talk about it more and more these days and there are a lot more conversations going on about it I am more than happy to admit that I have a therapist and I I try and talk that tell people that as much as I can because it should be just something that's not a taboo subject it shouldn't be something like oh yeah I have a therapist or um or you should feel ashamed about that I know not everyone has access to that and I'm I'm very lucky um that I can but even just talking to a friend or someone you feel that you can talk to you should never ever feel ashamed for saying that you're not okay you should never feel ashamed for even whatever it is that's bringing you down whether you know what that is or not I just think talking is, yeah, probably the best advice I can give. Again, like I'm no 
professional, but um, something I mentioned the other day because it was, uh, you know, World Mental Health Awareness Day. So I kind of t- touched on this on my Instagram. But again, as I mentioned earlier, like I, I started my first like experience of poor mental health was when I was around 16, uh, 17. And I was always so used to um, being like super uh, bubbly and super social and like always pretty, almost hyper um, to a certain extent because I did sport mm-hmm. and you know, I always had that energy and, and whatever. So when I started to then be the person who was maybe getting a bit emotional at work and I'd, I've always considered myself as quite a strong person, uh, quite independent. Um, again, I, I've grown up like I've kind of just done my own thing and I've had to be independent because of that. So to then feel like I was not as strong as I thought I was or not as out there as I thought I was, or like it felt like there was something wrong and I couldn't quite, that that in itself was a horrible feeling. So it wasn't even, again, I couldn't, I didn't understand at the time, like, you know, pressures of life can make you feel poor like down or depressed you know not exercising yeah. as much as you're used to and the endorphins and the signs behind it you know I never understood any of that so again at the time I just had no idea what was going on and and the worst part of that is it was just scary it just wasn't I, I just didn't understand I didn't know why I was the way I was and I think Absolutely. that's that's why it's important to talk because you can even just saying things out loud you can start to hear okay well maybe this is why I'm not feeling as good as I normally do or and over time the more you the biggest lesson I've learned for myself <laughs> is that it never goes away. Like you never get rid of it. And I think that's what some people who maybe are suffering with poor mental health is that they're trying to get rid of it. It's like, it doesn't go away. It, you just learn how to manage it better over time. And again, I'm saying it's like that my first experience of what I like or big experience of poor mental health was 16, 17, and I'm 30 now. And I still have days or, or, or phases of feeling very, very low. And sometimes it catches me off guard. Even now when I think I'm actually quite good at you know, keeping on top of my mental health and uh, and doing things that I know will keep my keep good mental health. Like I, I'd like to think that I know where my what my triggers are and I'd like to think I know I can spot the signs of when I'm not feeling my best. Um, but even sometimes it, it still can catch you off guard and have you not feeling great. So I think it's so important to know that, you know, if you can talk to more people and if you can talk to even a professional or even reading up about it or just following like even following accounts that like talk about mental health more so I've got my friend's brand um the feel good club like they they've created this huge brand where they talk about mental health all the time um, and there's quite a lot of those accounts these days so maybe those who can't necessarily afford like going to a therapist just hearing like little things like that and reading about stuff can can really help sometimes and uh, you'll also see that the number of people that follow this kind of account should show you that you're also not alone. So yeah, I um, that that's my bit on on mental health anyway. Hopefully that helps. It really does. Thank you for sharing. I want to highlight probably the first thing you said, but maybe the best thing I've ever heard when it comes to mental health is that everyone has mental health, right? I've never actually framed it in that way, and it's like like you mentioned, we work to try and resolve all of our issues, but it's same as your physical health. It's like a constant and ongoing practice. We all have physical health that we constantly need to work on. We need to eat well, we need to train in order to be optimally, like optimally functioning. And the same goes for mental health as well. I've just actually never looked at it from that perspective. Like everyone's got it. You know, you might realize that you're in a place right now, which is great. Or you might realize that you're not in a place where you might not even know, you know, it's like so many people that you probably meet and I meet who... (laughs) Like their health and their physical health problems only snuck up on them when they 
you know, got a surprise looking at a photo one day or their doctor told them that, hey, you're kind of borderline diabetes here, but they didn't realize up until that point. So I think, yeah, having that awareness that we all have it. And even if you're not feeling terrible right now, it might be good just to check in with yourself and just make sure that you're covering all these bases. And then, like you said, if you are struggling, then just finding someone to talk to. And it's a funny thing. I had a situation where I'm, I also have a therapist. I'm, I'm super pro therapy and I've spoke about it countless times on the podcast. And there was a point in early this year, I stopped working with my therapist. I was like, nah, I think I'm good now. And I was like, kind of thought that I graduated therapy. I was like, I've got all my trauma <laughs> and all this. Completed and then, it, mate. <laughs> exactly. That was my, my mentality. I was like, yeah, yeah. I completed it. I, funnily enough, I recorded an Instagram video to say I completed it. I never posted it. And I wonder why I didn't. And then, you know, lo and behold, two months later, I was like, I'm going to check in with my therapist. Again. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think yeah. I just need to have it, you know. And, that, and that's the reality of it. It's like, you probably, if you are going through something right now and, you know, it doesn't have to be anything major. Like you said, it's just life pressures and everything that comes along with that, you know, childhood trauma, all these type of little traumas, big traumas. And you realize that you just get better at handling it. And the same with my physical health, like I'm better. I can, I know how to eat well. I know how to train well, but it doesn't stop me from, if I stop that tomorrow, it could take a real sharp downhill descent. And the same as your mental health, right? And I think that it's just super encouraging to hear that, not only does it not go away and it needs constant attending to, but, you know, like you said, you're what, 12 years into your journey of looking into this and you're still kind of being, you're highly aware of certain, a lot of your triggers, but you're still handling things on a day-to-day basis, right? Yeah, definitely. I actually, took, um, so when I moved to London, like uh, I think maybe a couple of months in, I is when I like found my new therapist and I didn't do that because I wasn't okay. I did that because I knew there was a lot of change and I just felt like, you know what, it would be really good to have someone to just talk to because so much has happened. And even though I'm I'm feeling okay now, I feel like, you know, it, it would just be great to have that person to just get it all out. Because again, like like you said, you, being in a new city, like I've met some incredible people and, and I'm very fortunate for that. Even the girls that I live with, I love them to bits already. And it, that's great, but you're still... You know, you don't want to. You don't want to just bang on to someone, even if it's a friend. Like, you don't want to sit there and talk mm-hmm. about yourself for an hour. Like, that's quite selfish. I know that's that, quite, like, yeah. if you've got friends who care about you, I'm sure they would listen. But it's it's not something you want to do at someone for a very long time. And also, you know, it, therapists are professionals. Like, it, it it's very very different. It's someone who it doesn't matter how you say things. It doesn't matter who you talk about. It doesn't even, you don't even have to have something to talk about. You'd be surprised and, and you probably can relate to this if you've had therapy, but the sessions where you don't go in thinking you've got anything to talk about are normally the ones where you come out thinking, what Absolutely. the fuck just happened? Like, <laughs> I, I genuinely, no, this is a, um, I genuinely cried once because I, I missed my car. <laughs> I was like, I know that that's not the actual reason why I'm crying. Like, uh-huh. there was a deeper issue. Of, like, you know, it, it, my car was my independence, and uh, I, like mm. when I first moved out at 17, and all this jazz. Like, you know, it went. It was a deeper issue. But at the time, I was like, Why am I crying about not having a car? It's pathetic. So yeah. So it, it, it. I just think if you have access to, and even if you feel like you don't necessarily have someone to talk to, just having therapy. If you've got the option, just give it a go. Yeah, I encourage it a lot. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like you, like you mentioned, like you don't want to be that person who goes to your friend. Like you don't want your friend, the one you confide in a lot, every time to go to them, that becomes a therapy session either, because they're sure. kind of like 
you know, you find that that happens eventually. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go speak to this friend. You're like, oh, I kind of only speak to them when I've got these problems. And then, it, yeah, the relationship doesn't yeah. turn that great. And yeah. I think you're 100% right with the therapy sessions as well. It's like you go in and it's, I personally think of it as just like, you are a puzzle and you're literally just putting all the pieces together. And uh, if you actually look at it from like a self-discovery perspective, like I genuinely started looking forward to the sessions because I was answering yeah, before, but same. I was like, this is really fascinating. And like you said, you can, you might be crying about a car and you might think, Oh, this is so stupid. But, but the reality is, is there's a, such a bigger meaning to it. You're, you're not going to discover that on yourself and you might not really discover that with friends. So yeah, if you've got that yeah. access, then amazing. Yeah. And, and awesome. just to touch on that as well, like real quick, I, as you know, like with coaching, a lot of your job has to be like understanding people and, and the psychology behind it and how you can get someone to like be consistent and stay on a journey. Like their mindset is everything. And I've really gotten into the psychology of the way people think. And like, again, like I, yeah, I just love that side of things. So like you said, it can also be like, if you think about even being like, right, I'm 30 years old, what we've been through mm. from like day one, like it's all in there, which is mental when you actually think about it. So, and there's so much that we don't talk about and don't delve into that, like genuinely, that I think that's why like that they can be the best sessions when you just go in completely. Oh yeah. Like they're like, how are you today? And it's like, oh, just, yeah, just chatting away. And I'll, uh, this uh-huh. is where I sit. I'll be like staring out, like looking at the dog and I'll get to chat for a little bit and then I'll just start coming out with stuff and you're like whoa like where has this come from so yeah it can also be pretty interesting um from that aspect as well like I do genuinely find it quite like you come away and you're like my brain is weird Um, uh-huh. but it's also comforting yeah. at the same time right because if you're able sure. to be like oh this makes sense it's almost like that makes you know, sense. even yeah. when you might not get a nice diagnosis from a physical problem it's almost like oh well at least it you know it makes sense now it's not just this random thing that yeah. you know is wrong with me i just i know why this does and then that softens your kind of resentment or maybe your negative attachments to that certain feeling it's just like like you said, why would I get angry at self for a car? But like, oh, actually, it makes sense. I don't want my own dependence to be taken away. That's completely rational. Yeah, definitely. My The, the best mm. um, lesson I learned from my therapist, actually, and it's, her name is Shazia, and I thank her for this, is um, she gave me a, a snow globe analogy. So if you imagine you are like the polar bear in a snow globe, for example, when you are like tired or stressed mm-hmm. or you've got a lot going on or you're overwhelmed, you you are always in the snow globe. Like nothing really changes, but like what is around you and that fog and that the the dust or whatever it is, the snow that's around you, you know, makes it much harder for you to mm-hmm. see things clearer. It makes you makes it harder for you to um, think more positively and, and think, uh, make better decisions and all this kind of stuff. And um, when the dust is settled and when the snow is settled and you know, you're maybe not as tired and you're not as overwhelmed or whatever, then you can see things clear. And, and, and it, it's helped, helped me so much because, again, like talking about our jobs, like there are times when I, uh, I'm exhausted and then I'm trying to think about like personal problems or, or like my business or whatever. And, um, and even just from a physical aspect of being tired, like there's obviously the added stress element or being overwhelmed and you can add all those things in, but even just being physically tired and then trying to make a difficult decision, like don't like... <laughs> Have some sleep, like sleep it off if things are going to, or even if you're just super irritated about something or, or you're feeling really anxious about something, it's like, yeah, but if you're really tired or you're, you're really stressed at work and whatever, like, like give that time. She's obviously explained it a lot better than I have. 
but you know when someone <laughs> comes with, like comes out with something and you're like you know what I'm going to use that and it's it's helped a lot so yeah um thought I'd share that uh, with it but that's why I'm not a professional and that's why I'm not giving out <laughs> professional advice so yeah that's my bit that's a beautiful analogy and you're a real human. So it helps because of real humans will be listening to this and they'll be able to relate. So I've got two final questions for you. The first is if people want to dive into your world a little bit more, if they want to follow what you're doing, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, I'd probably say Instagram unless it breaks down again. So we've got my Instagram is Sam says, so like Simon says underscore PT, you can find me there. <laughs> nice. I will put that in the show notes as well. And my final Thanks question so for you today is... What impact would you like to have on the health and fitness industry? What impact would you like to leave? I would like to encourage more people to lift to, and, and maybe not just to lift anymore. Like uh, with time, I've also, as you as you know, I've gotten into more stuff. I'd like to encourage more people to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I want more people to know that most of us feel like we're shit at stuff, and I want people to know that it doesn't matter if someone overtakes you when you're on a run. They could be doing fast intervals and you're on a long run. Who cares? Anyway, when I did the um, the ultra and people were running past us, I did it with them. Um, I didn't do it alone. I did it with Tamara. So I have to give her a shout out because she was amazing and hadn't even trained for it. I, on the other hand, was not okay. But, you know, people would be running past us and it's almost like you want to shout and be like, hey, yeah, we've just, we're, we're 30K in now. So you just <laughs> bear that in mind when you're running past us at that speed. Like we've done a, a long run so far. So yeah, just encourage, I just want to encourage more people to, to, to do stuff. I think in long term, like, uh, there is definitely a part of me that would like health and fitness to be more accessible. Um, uh, how I do that, I have no idea. Um, uh, so if anyone is listening and I can somehow how help with that, whether that's helping out with more un- uh, underprivileged communities, I don't know. Honestly, I wouldn't know where to start, but at some point that's definitely something I'd like to get stuck into because it, again, I, I, I have literally seen the difference. Like again, without going too much into my personal life, like I have younger sisters who didn't have that same opportunity as me and we're in very different places again without going into detail but I I just have seen even coming from the same household but having different opportunities I've seen what that can do so um that's definitely something I would like to um explore more I would also just like people to know yeah just to see the 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 normal side of life the boring stuff and and know that if you're also feeling like you're doing boring stuff and not that excited that that is also okay so I'll just continue to do that yes I'm not really sure I want people to lift safely as well I mean (laughs) more people (laughs) lifting with good technique and 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 following yeah like lifting properly and not like lifting with their egos you know there's there's lots of things that I like to teach um but yeah hopefully that will that will cover a few absolutely and I think you're making a valuable contribution so thank you on behalf of the industry thanks so much (laughs) thank you great guy welcome Anyone more than welcome. So that is everything from us today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you did enjoy the episode, please screenshot it, tag myself and Sam in it. Let us know what you enjoyed most. And like you said, if you've got anything you want to speak about with Sam, then I think her inbox is always open, even though it's probably quite overloaded. <laughs> no, go for it. I'm pretty on it. I, I can be a bit slow at times, but I'm I'm the kind of person that really doesn't like having anything unread or anything any notifications. So uh, maybe is my downfall sometimes but um yeah no I, I any no question is too sweet I, I always like hearing from people in fact it, it makes you as we talked about earlier if you hear from people uh, when you're constantly posting it's quite a nice thing if you don't hear from people and you're constantly posting 
you start to question, like, <laughs> is anyone listening? Uh-huh. Is anyone, yeah. does anyone care about this? Uh, especially if it's just my mum every now and then. He's like, hi, Sam. <laughs> like, how are you? It's like, you have my number. You can please just message me. Okay. So yeah, no, it's, it's more than fine for people to, to drop me this. Amazing. Thank you so much again for your time, Sam. Take care. I will speak soon. You're welcome, mate. Bye-bye. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.